you start hanging out, you're running around the world with your little buddy on your shoulder. He's like, Row! you know, you charging into action. Like, you know, dude, I know I'm nerding out a little bit, but this little thing, that's my homie right there. I can see this little thing causing problems, but you love it so much. You just can't ever be mad at it. You just tell it to get its ass up on your shoulder and you go hang out and run around the world. Anybody else? This thing is cute. This group from Sanctus knew the ways of combat, and while they had already overcome much, this was only the beginning. Not just any party could pave a way through Vera. For this journey, it took a true adventurer's party, adventurers who sought the history of this world and the truth of the past. In that past, they would find their own origins. Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders, your dedicated and trusted Ashes of Creation podcast. Join us as we share in the journey that reignites the embers and rekindles the flames in the hearts of those long left to cinder. I'm your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg, joined today by our returning Pathfinders. Let's welcome back Daedalus. Hello, everyone. Also, welcome back, not full, just half, Tilt. How is it going, everybody? <laughs> oh, man, I've been coming up with some good ones. You should have heard the ones from the last podcast on the LFM show, man. Because we got the Nathan Napalm over there, and I just like started it off and i was like v and i paused and he like did this little chuckle and i was like oh that was great let's get a clip on it <laughs> anyway friends before we dig in too far we have to give a shout out as always to the home of this podcast over at asheshq.com the community curated website for ashes of creation also a big shout out to all the imperial flames which are all of the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon, thank you so much for keeping this community's flames bolstering greater week after week. Friends, we've had a recent Ashes of Creation live stream, another development live stream, much sooner than we usually get it because the holidays are coming up and all that stuff. Um, now, before we dig in, got to remind everybody too, if you love this show, you love it you listen to it on your drive to work whatever you watch it on youtube or maybe you catch us here live on sundays at five um do consider going over to itunes leaving us a review five stars is great helps people to know that the podcast is real and it's got a uh, solid foundation any comments over there uh we'll read here live just like we played last week we had a, a live um we had a audio clip to play uh, came from horrendous another member here in the community and uh, that was from calling in to one five three nine six six four six eight zero one. You can call in, leave us a voicemail there. You can also leave us uh, something in the mail bag over at ashespathfindersgmail.com. Pathfinder Grunt somewhere out there in Vero will get it to us at some point in time in the future. We'll read through it here at the show. Um, also, you know, you're going, but 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 where do where do we find the links for all this stuff, man? Go over to Ashes Pathfinder on Twitter, pinned right there at the top, man. All the links to all the podcast places that we're at. Um, but yeah, speaking of that live stream, um, before we dig in, I guess, is there anything going on in your all's world, man? I've like, oh man, I've had an experience this week that just made me very thankful once again that Ash as a creation and a treatment as, at the team over at Intrepid Studios has been uh, like, man, they've been taking their time with this game. And I actually, more and more in this like last year, I find myself 
very appreciative of that patience. Um, for me, I played Battlefield 2042 on Friday, 1.5 hours, refunded that thing real quick, really quickly. It was uh, there's no there's no way to really say. Uh, there's no way to really tell you all uh, what that was really like for me, other than yuck and ouch, and I don't want to. And it was actually a very I, I don't play a lot of shooters, but there were very specific ones that I've always just had a very fondness for. Battlefield has been one. Call of Duty has always been one, specifically the Modern Warfare series, specifically two. Always been a good time. But oh man, this was I got I don't even have to I'm not gonna go into it too much. I've got a whole video being launched in like a day that people can hear me rant about this on. So Needless to say, ouch, what the, uh, and uh, intrepid, yeah, you keep on keeping on with that patience. I'm going to stick with it. Take your time. You know, the battlefield was a hot mess. It was, it was sloppy, bad experience. Hell no, I refunded it real quick. Faster than you can say, yo, MTV raps, that was refunded. What was your week like, guys? <laughs> Uh, honestly, I mean, other other than, you know, kicking it with the live stream, it was uh, mostly just like work stuff. But it was, you know, even though it was a little early, somewhat content light, it was still good to get that check in from the team. Yeah, I'm um, looking forward to discussing kind of a few things there and digging into the lore. But yeah, you know, pretty, pretty chill. Did some packing, too. I've got um, a trip coming up here in the next few days here for the holidays. Mm -hmm. But yeah. other than that, yeah, pretty chill. Right on, man. But you have tilt. Not a whole heck of a lot. I've done some work around the house and getting uh, winterized. And I buggered up my shoulder the other day. I don't know what the hell I did. I can't raise it, my arm over my above my shoulder level and really lift too much. So, oh, man. Got to ice it tonight. And hopefully it'll be feeling a little bit better. Put the winter tires on the car the other day. Taught our 16-year-old uh, our <laughs> how to uh, change tires. Nice. No driver should know or not know how to not change a tire. True that. Um, she did. She did awesome. But uh, yeah, and then yeah, sat down. I didn't catch the stream live the on Friday, but uh, I watched it last night, and it, it was short and sweet. I, I guess is a good way to mm. put it. Uh, it what, there, there was some key pieces of content that we'll go over here in a bit. Um, mm -hmm. But they're, yeah, it, it seems like just nose to the grindstone right now on the Intrepid front. And yeah. I will 100% agree. I, I haven't played Battlefield, but I heard it was yet another disastrous launch. Gosh. It seems to be the um, the trend among any hyped up game these days. Mm. And, and that got me thinking way back to that Josh Strife Hayes video about, you know, don't overhype this game too and over expectations it because... Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's, that's not to say this game failed because of over expectations. It failed because it was just bad. But yeah, there's something to keep in mind as we continue this journey. Yeah. You know what? Uh, you know what that you know what? You know, Josh Strife Hayes had a pretty good, pretty good video on that. Right. You know what? You know what specific episode I'm reminded of? One of the first handful of episodes on this podcast in fucking 2018. Mm -hmm. right 
we're lit. This is a lesson, a repetitive lesson that comes from, I want to say, I'm yes, I'll say it. Wiser content creators. That's what I'm going to say. Wiser content creators, people that are like trying to balance like realistic, reasonable expectations and trying to temper those expectations uh, in order to not have like, you know, too much hype. And man, it's just real talk, yo. It really is real talk because the truth of the matter is things get overhyped. People get really excited, right? The expectations aren't tempered and they get this idea that it's going to be a lot of things or you kind of get, you know, a snapshot and my frame of reference on Battlefield specifically was like, dude, the main thing is the presentation, homies. It did not, did not match the the like you know the teaser trailers and the footage and gameplay footage i'm telling you it didn't it didn't bros i literally was like in one game looking out i looked down my sniper scope off to the horizon because i was like are those like there's like this like foggy sort of thing like moving i know i'm harping on this but it's just like it's an example of like just something so not polished right i'm not even kidding this is not an exaggeration i was like looking at this uh this like cloud sort of off in the like distance, you know, and I was like, what is that? And I, like, look down my sniper scope down the, down the, down the scope. And I look ADS and I'm like, uh, those are like planes. And it was like a bunched up. It looked like a bunch of planes moving. And I was like, all right, cool. But yo, it looked like a kid took a bunch of cutouts off paper, copied them, put them all hanging on strings and was just like taking them or sticks and was taking them and doing this. That's how bad it looked. I was like, what dude, not an exaggeration. That's what it actually looked like. I was like, you gotta be kidding. So yeah, you take your time intrepid. This one's all behind you on that. And anyway, let's, let's get on track. I could, I could go on and on about this sort of stuff and I'm not trying to really down it. Cause it was more of a, it was really genuinely, much more of a disappointment than it was like i'm i'm like angry i actually went into it going man they're bombing it really bad people can be really harsh critics and stuff you know went and gave gave it a chance and i was like no man that's not how i'm gonna spend my time homies nah i'm good i'm good so then you go and you you know and that was the same day as the ashes of creation live stream which we're gonna show some stuff and things on that i've got some video footage here that we can uh, sort of showcase some video footage. Um, we've got a little bit of um, assets to show off as well. So we'll show some of those things off as we're doing our live stream here today, my friends. Um, okay. We had a guild gatherings. So let's dig into that before we jump into the live stream stuff. Yeah. I'm going to go on ahead and share the forms post over this guild gatherings real quick. So you all can kind of take a look at it as well. And if you're watching here, live we've always got the links for you if you're listening to it my friends i'm just gonna have to tell you to go check out their forums or news posts they always have stuff there um the guild gatherings though uh says what tools do you wish you had in navigating the politics of guild to guild conflict now i know this is sort of a piggyback probably off of some of our discussion points around tools for guilds as a whole uh tools you know we've talked about maps and bulletin boards and stuff before but in no particular order here, just jump right in like guild versus guild politics. What kind of uh, tools do you wish you had for navigating that? Uh, do we even want them? Gentlemen, in no um, I, think, 
I think Alliance chat would be good to have. Um, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's probably like what I would consider baseline. Um, I've seen it in other games. Uh, so definitely kind of having that level of coordination. Um, I mean, I don't know, like as far as like other things, I guess, yeah. uh, you know, I would like some sort of administration, like similar to like what we have in guild. So you might have like Alliance leaders that can like, do similar things that you can do and potentially reuse some of the guild stuff um and kind of build that out um yeah i mean i guess i i would like to see something where mm-hmm. it just helps facilitate collaboration um but yeah i guess there's you know there's also like opportunities in guild versus guild politics for betrayal so i guess i would want to try to tote that line so you couldn't mm-hmm. potentially exploit what's in like the functionality for guild versus guild to um, maybe kind of do something backhanded. I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities to do that in game, uh, but, but not, I don't, wouldn't want like tools to kind of enable some of that behavior. I would just like it to be kind of more, you know, within the game itself, as opposed to being like one of the tools enabling that. Got it. What do you have to? I'll be honest. I don't know that. I can think of anything from a tooling perspective, from like a, a menu or a system uh, that gives you information and you interact with it in a way that I would want in this. Now, I, I have very minimal experience with any type of guild versus guild mm. in any sense of the way Ashes is going to have that content in the game from an MMO perspective. So that is no doubt a big reason why I don't have too many ideas on it. But I, I, I mean, when I think of Guild vs. Guild, I love the idea of the sabotage and the, possibly somebody has an alt that they've infiltrated your guild w- with and it's been brewing for like four months now and they've worked their way into like just, you know, a general reliable member of the guild and then come in and sabotage you or being able to sneak into a, a clan hall or guild hall and steal information or steal a, a rare item or something like that. And like, when I think of guild versus guild, a lot of that is how I perceive it. I know they've talked about like, it's not just going to be a straight up PVP thing. There's going to be kill on site wherever you go yeah. mm-hmm. and, and you'll have the ability to do that. But from a tool perspective, I don't know that there's anything beyond that, that I would find an advantage to enable that war better. M- maybe some metrics to track uh, stats and whatnot of what's going the interaction so far but i think the rest of it should kind of just happen organically and i don't really want that to be facilitated too much i want it to just yeah. happen yeah mm-hmm. that gives me some i you know i i think i agree right i don't really think that i would want there to be tools or resources to help facilitate any of the guild versus guild politics or any of that i think more so related to maybe tracking of those initiatives that have been carried out post i think could be cool um i think specifically since uh they've already talked about having uh you know like these leaderboard sort of systems that are going to be integrated into the game things related to like caravans sieges stuff like that that there's going to be seasons for that sort of thing um I, i wouldn't be really shocked if we actually got something similar to uh, things we've seen in games like Arcage, and I and I know that Steven doesn't like to bring that game up a lot specifically. Um, I can do that because I'm sitting here talking on a podcast covering the game, and 
it's worth acknowledging that there are a lot of elements in Arc Age that I'm not going to say have been carried over specifically, but there are things he did like about that game. There are things I liked about that game when I played it too. And if we go back to we're not reinventing the wheel, there's absolutely nothing wrong with, you know, going and seeing like, hey, here's some uh, elements, features, systems in an MMORPG lineage he talks about a lot, right? Uh, there's a lot of games that have come up in the past that we're taking inspiration from when creating Ashes of Creation. And, you know, there were there were some things that were in Arcage that were pretty cool related to crime, murder, things like that that were carried out. Um, I think Nation Chat's a really good example of that. That was Nation Chat that existed in Arcage. Um, I think chats for alliances could be pretty, uh, you know, useful as well. Um, you know, to a degree, I think, you know, the fact that you've got five guilds that could be in a guild alliance already, having chat for that is already uh, a uh, a layer of a tool that could be utilized uh, in regard to alliances and politics. Because, I mean, what it, that's guild politics 101, right? Mul multiple guilds forming an alliance, having chat to actually... Uh, carry out discussions and coordinate things outside of things like discord um so aside from that i think just something leaderboard wise or you know if intrigue or espionage have been carried out successfully noting those players i mean notoriety in an mmorpg is a powerful thing one of the things that i've always enjoyed about mmorpgs that are a little more old school is sort of having this like you know who the players are, man. You know, the ones that carry out the hits, the ones that are bounty hunters that are successful, the ones in Ashes that are maybe corrupt players that are successful in their endeavors at being corrupt and carrying out their own initiatives. The people that carry out espionage, intrigue, the, the, the guild leaders, the guild uh, members who, you know, are those players that carry out these these initiatives. I mean, the ninja looters in chat got got food. I really uh, resent that statement from you, by the way. But uh, with a lot, all the love in my heart, um, that's not cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, the ninja looters, even yeah, if there were people like that that did exist in a game like Ashes of Creation, um, or even the ones who have a false narrative carried out against them um, for really no good real reason, except for Steven said so. Y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. That's all I have to say about. Uh, those people uh anyway moving on moving on moving on the emote that exists in my channel is really because my, my partner made it and i don't know what to say it's a great emote i had to use it does it really validate anything okay thanks all right moving on enough of the shenanigans okay enough thank you all right y'all are going what do you mean sim i'm listening to this on my drive i don't understand so i encourage people to be here live you don't even get this le level of like um interaction on youtube because you don't get to see the chat so those of you in chat i see you and and uh i will i won't forget this that's all i have to say i won't forget this uh, i just for my... out of curiosity oh, you, you mentioned like being able to track names for yeah. sabotage and things like that yeah are you, are you talking about like on your side to see who sabotaged your mm. opponent's guild, being able to see that information or seeing if, if you got sabotaged somehow or somebody stole something from you being able to see who that was. I think I'd be cool with it being like post initiative carried out. So, and I think generally to like almost like global would be cool. Like this person successfully carried out, um, you know, this mission to to sort of steal something from this guild, right? Or, you know, someone was engaged in this initiative and kind of noting like, um, you know, Ninja Looter got got food, uh, you know, on behalf of uh, 
sorry, Guild Dweedle. I don't really know <laughs> what else to say, but the Guild Dweedle like basically carried out a hit against um uh I don't know, Legacy and and Jack their their favorite uh guild leaders uh, statue of glorifying themselves on the mantle of their guild hall or something. Went and did that and, and successfully carried out against this guild. Like something like that would be, you know, pretty cool to like globally see. It's like, oh, because then you can kind of track have an idea of like when you see a name sort of popping up it's like this is a strong player <laughs> maybe a special title sinja daedalus what's wrong with you that was you i re i see you ash and herald in chat what is this huh but yeah i think it's just, it's just throwing out some ideas we're brainstorming we're theory crafting here right which is funny you know why because twitch actually just gave like everybody more emotes slots and it's like damn that's awesome i'm already behind i need more sub badges made i need animated emotes made i need more emotes made i'm like oh my god it's gonna take me forever to fill the rest of this up um i don't really know about that um yeah idea but i mean you know we can always discuss it i suppose but anyway moving on so that's my feedback though i think just like generally having like this person tag guild carried out this you know against this and it was successful i think breaking that down to guild halls um castle sieges node sieges even potentially um to a degree um i think with the node sieges now this is politics but it's a more broader sort of note um, like this node carried out a successful, you know, or citizens of or army of this node carried out a successful siege against this node sort of thing. You know, if they have a name, I mean, even up to the to the sort of like top end down to the low end of like a guild member. And even if you do that, that's really not going to be like a ton of info going on all the time, at least not in my mind. It still keeps it general enough to give you an idea of like who the players are, who the guilds are what nodes are sort of really you know in their initiatives successful and i think from a political standpoint that's a strong indicator of like what strong alliances are actually and it's broad it's it's general enough to not really be giving too much information but still i think gives enough information for uh you know alliance leaders node leaders guild leaders to have an idea of you know sort of like what's going on who's successful what's going on but not really giving you a whole lot more than that. Uh, to me, that's about as much as I'd probably want. Yeah, I, I think guild sharing, like guild level of information being shared with other guilds might be okay. Like this yeah. guild successfully beat this guild in a war. And they had, you know, three sabotages. They broke into the guild hall. Yeah. This. Breaking it down to the player level, I don't think I'd want because you mm. want a certain level of anonymity. To that action mm. as the player, right? To avoid you from being KOS and hunted just mm. exclusively versus um, the guild as a whole. Mm. And if you are running around in town with your name, people will be like, oh, hey, so and so's in town, and you better uh, get some defense back to your base or eat about now, or you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> and it, the, while the prestige would be cool and it would be neat on a resume when applying for another guild or something to be able to share, Hey, these are my accolades. Like I've broken into like 16 guild halls. I'm pretty badass at doing this. You want me on your team kind of thing. I, I still think that that assassin spy mm. persona belongs in the shadows. And when you expose that true, 
especially it, it thieving really ruins that. Yeah, because if you thieve successfully, you probably don't want to be found, right? No, just like you don't want to be known as a ninja looter. If one was a ninja looter, absolutely. If. if. If, if you were that, you wouldn't want to be known as that because then you might not get invited to many groups and it's definitely not going to have... It would kind of mean you were bad at it too, right? Yeah. yeah. Makes you kind of wonder like if a person, an innocent person, had a narrative framed around them like that. You know, like... This is kind of another example. <laughs> Sorry, this is kind of another example. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of this is a really great example of why Steven sometimes abuses his power, right? You know what I mean? Wait, right? Because he kind of like he likes to anybody see that clip over on the uh, Ashes HQ channel, that short that popped up? The the one, you know, of Steven, how he blew down the house of cards. It's a great example of why you can't always like, you know, you can't take it at face value, man. Right? It's like saying Someone completely failed at their card building contested guilt against me, and I'm the winner. I'm the king. But leaving out the information of like you blew it down, it's just a thought. Oh no. <laughs> okay, can we yeah, move on? It might be misdirection, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it could be misdirection to like the fact that someone's like, you know, using cheat codes or something. I don't know. Or guild powers or master powers or looter powers or something. Not not I don't know. Anyway, can we uh he said it was the wind. Yeah, we saw we saw that wind. All right, it's called breath. Yeah, it's called breath. Can someone please continue on something else real quick? Can we go back to talking about? So, would there be individuals? Okay, so check this out. So, in alliance initiatives, right? We could think thievery would be one. Of, probably would make sense to not have out or anything regarding like, um, you know, like spying or stealing. It's like if it's successful, you wouldn't want those things to be seen, but. At the player level, can you think of any other things that you'd maybe want in a in a guild versus a guild initiative to be sort of an announcement that would be appropriate or maybe important um, for some of that stuff? Well, I mean, I think one of the things that they've talked about in the past is like if you get attain a certain level of corruption, like people will know who you are. And I agree with Half Tilt, like for the things that generally are meant to be behind the scenes, I wouldn't expect or want to have that like i i would want to be there that level of intrigue in game i mean even steven way back when was like this is i want to do something like this like when you think of something like what happened with you know games where politics were key like eve right eve online he he definitely wants something like that in the game so kind of pulling those people out of the shadows is not going to be the most fun mm -hmm. right just because it's, you're not going to be able to have the kind of that level of you know you know spycraft if you will right um but mm -hmm. as far as like the only thing that i would maybe advocate putting in there is if you have somebody that's legitimately like gonna like murder hobo on people right or um, like Faisal, like Faisal, for example exactly like you know murder full bunny. murder bunny thank you right yeah. right so, um, you know, I would want to kind of know that part because generally that's going to be part of the server anyway. And all these other things that we're talking about, I mean, eventually, right, you're going to get to a point at which, you know, somebody's going to confirm Sim as a ninja looter or, you know, somebody's going to confirm like somebody is always going into guilds and trying to break them apart, you know, from the inside. 
so you know that is like in you know, that's where I would say you know that will naturally happen as part of the game. Um, but as far as like things that I would like in there, the only thing that really comes to mind that I would say, yeah, this is good, um, is, is having like, at least from a bad notoriety perspective would definitely be, uh, it would definitely be the corruption piece. As far as on the good side, I mean, I would love to see something where like in an alliance, like you have people have the option to opt into posting the fact that they can craft and craft at a certain level. Um, I like that. So one. in that case, yeah, yeah, I, I think in that case, or again, if if as an alliance, a lot of times you're pooling, potentially pooling resources, potentially trying to build the alliance up so it's stronger, right? Um, you want to kind of foster collaboration. So I think that should be not something that happens by default, right? Because at the end of the day, some people maybe want to just focus on you know doing things for the guild, and they're not necessarily interested in going beyond a guild but if they mm-hmm. you know if, you know we do have an option for them to be able to post that so i would say like you know any type of professions would be good um like even being able to post alliance events like again these are all kind of things that i would expect would be at some level like part of what the guild tools are i would like to see some version of them in alliance um as alliances get more mature um to be able to do mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to be there right away but i think that will also help facilitate collaboration because unlike other games right there's likely going to be a lot more pre-planning pre-arrangement that's going to need to happen in a game like ashes of creation with limited amount of fast travel with um no lfg type of thing which i'm okay with but again you need to be able to address uh, you know, that design choice with something that helps still facilitate collaboration. Because if you want people to work together, you want and you want to do it in a kind of organic way, um, you you should give them some options on how to arrange those events. And not only within a guild, but potentially within an alliance too. That yeah. it's not just, oh, somebody like spamming chat to say, hey, we're going to X, you know, siege XYZ node, or we're going to, you know, try to take this castle. It's more like, okay, well, we need to really plan ahead for these types of initiatives. So what can we do to help facilitate that? And maybe again, like you know, the discord linkage that keeps getting talked about could get plugged into an Alliance piece too. Right. Yeah. Um, really great, really great uh, response. And I really appreciated pretty much everything you said, except for the part that, you know, you know, you know what part I'm talking about. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Really. So talking about, well, I mean, have told any other thoughts on the guild gathering thing? The the only other thing I I, I thought of, I mentioned it in chat, was um, it would be kind of cool if you could set up your own and, and, and you'd have the option to do this with or not. Set up like a calling card that you would leave behind at the scene <laughs> of the crime so that it... it like if you wanted to have that reputation, you remember like the wet bandits in home alone or something like you just turn on all their water in the house and flood out their guild hall or something. <laughs> but, but having something as kind of a unique calling card. That's yours. Oh, nice. Something that, that you could leave behind at the scene of the crime and people could be like, ah, the, I got got by that guy. 
Like that would be a cool mm-hmm. way of having notoriety without necessarily giving away who you are. Unless of course mm-hmm. you got caught. Yeah. I get, you know, you know what? I could already see what Daedalus's calling card would be. <laughs> it would be just like a little card with a stamp of a harp on it. <laughs> right. And underneath it, it'd be like Faisal was here. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just coming Faisal. up with things. i got it right or like a you know i could i could see like Faisal's being like a couple fangs with bunny ears or something smiley face like Absolutely. it was fucking some kind of like art for donnie darko or what is this exactly what the hell's going on here like <laughs> yeah dude. yeah well it wouldn't be terrible to be able to leave clues right just to just to get get people i mean yeah. I, I would love to do something like that yeah Ooh, 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 ooh! That live stream, though, man. They, they always, they always got the good eye candy. I'm gonna go in and get some videos playing up here for y'all. We'll start with this one first, kind of just outlining the video, the specifically the video, um, with with Stephen roll, rolling around on some different mounts. They, um, you know, there was like the bullfrog sort of one, which was pretty cool. Um, there was the alligator slash croc one. Was it more of a croc? I guess it's more like crocodile, right? But. Mm-hmm whichever man you're gonna be like well there's a big difference him i'm gonna be like keep that shit for another day okay it's it's one or the other don't ask me they look they're they look practically the same thing okay there's some differences i understand that but give me a break all right not a freaking biology major or whatever but or that's probably not even the right thing i digress anyway um steven in in studio the chunky croc yeah it was a i mean he wanted to show us something when he was leaping off the cliff uh, that never happened and i was like ah epic fell twice still didn't see it really wondered what he was trying to show us it felt like it was supposed to be like a glorious leap of some kind that he wasn't going to use his gm powers to actually make happen except for when he ran back up there to you know he did use gm powers to get up there quicker for the video right he like sped ran up um yeah um they mentioned something on the live stream and I'm going to ask about some of the takeaways. I made a few notes on some specific, um, some specific things. And I, I do actually want to pose a question for the community. Uh, I, I posed this when we did the post, uh, we did the ashes post show. We do live on my channel, right? Um, I'm contemplating doing this because the ashes post doesn't always get to it, but I want to kind of get some feedback. Would you all be, would you all be happy if over on ashes HQ, we sort of like did an article, every post live stream kind of outlined some of the major bullet points because I'm finding that I'm having to do it myself more, more regularly, more often than not these days. Um, So if people would like that, I can do that. If y'all feel like you get that info better from other sources, that's completely fine. Um, but I want some community feedback on this because that's kind of where I choose to go. People are like, yeah, Sam would really appreciate that. Then I tend to tend to do it. And people are like, nah, man, feel like we pretty much get too much of that already some other places. Then then fine, I'll leave it be. But I'm noticing I'm having to do it more often than not these days. Um, it doesn't seem to not ragging on them at all, by the way. But the Ashes Post isn't really like hitting it every time anymore. And um, we totally appreciate when they do because they do a really good job of getting the information out there but i want to kind of get some follow-up and feedback because if it's something y'all would like to see i'm kind of doing it anyway i could put it over there if y'all would like to see it um let me know but speaking of uh the the live stream big takeaways we'll jump on those the one i wanted to note though to kind of start off that i thought was really cool was there was a lot of uh, discussion uh for a little bit there around pi walkthrough rewards 
right? They talked about, now that's mm-hmm. still quite a ways down the road, but PI, if you don't know what that means, these are of a certain level backer from the Kickstarter, the Phoenix Initiate, uh, or Phoenix Initiative technically. These are people that have a certain reward level. One of those does include some things like, you know, depending on your backer level, there are certain things that are Kickstarter rewards like helping design fortresses, helping to design creatures, um, touring the studio, uh, all the way up to the top of being a part of the D&D campaign, Stevens, or sorry, Pathfinder campaign, Stevens going to Spearhead during the launch party. There's a whole bunch of them, right? And the PI one had some specific ones around, you know, being able to kind of uh, help design some things. And so Margaret and, and Stephen were talking about how, like, you know, this is something that's sort of coming up as uh, something to put on the um you know goalpost for the for the somewhat you know future near ish future definitely we're closer to it now i think than we were obviously at kickstarter we're probably getting a lot closer to that point so something that they're talking about and i'm pretty excited because i am a pi backer um and and it is something i'm excited about because i'm curious what that whole process is going to look like um I think it's going to be very interesting to be able to talk about that. Being able to go to the new studio and do a walkthrough. It sounds like they have something very special planned um, for the walkthrough. Some things that they're going to allow people to share. Now, I visited the original studio, the smaller one, um, and that wasn't really as part of a reward or anything. It was just like like a lot of people, they are dropping by because they're in the area. And then Trevor's like, yeah, come on through. We'd love to see you. And so, you know, people drop by because they're going to be there. Sometimes you chat with them or take pictures or um, you know, do an interview like I was able to do, which was really cool to be able to do that. Um, but that was really cool to kind of hear that that's on the horizon. And, you know, of course, in my mind, I start to think to myself, oh, man, I wonder what that's going to be like, you know, are they going to show it off? Are they going to share that experience? I'd be shocked if they didn't. Um, but big takeaways now on screen, you'll notice some of the mounts. And this is one of the more unique ones. But yeah, gentlemen, big takeaways. I mean, I think I really like that they... I wouldn't say go, went to in a ton of detail, but started talking about combat and different things they were experimenting with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously it makes sense, right? If they're trying a lot of different things, um, you know, in the past they've done some experiments, they've shared it with the community, they've gotten feedback and they're kind of, they're working that through. But I, I do like the fact that again, like we talked about a little earlier in the podcast, like they're taking their time. They're trying a lot of different things to see what feels right, see how they can get synergy between the modes and kind of have a unifying experience. Cause obviously like even in alpha one where they had the toggle that you could go back and forth, there was still like, it, it definitely didn't feel connected per se. Um, and that was intended. So you could get like a comparison contract. So um, I'm glad once again that they're taking their time, um, you know, with that. And I really like the fact that they were looking at a lot of different things, like um, being able to understand how more optimally to set up point allocation or like the hit boxes for characters that are small. I like that they're already trying to get ahead of the fact that, you know, some people might potentially want to create characters that are short in stature in order to be a little more elusive in a, you know, projectile avoidance situation, right? That's mm. that the fact that they're thinking those many steps ahead right now is really good. And so that was to me like the highlight of it outside of what normally I really enjoy seeing is all the progress on the creatures and the mounts and 
um, in the armor. I mean, every time I see one of the, you know, cosmetics that come out, like even the things they've talked about, you know, recently that are actually in-game earnable, um, like the horse, I think there was a horse model they showed um, that was the basis for, you know, some in-game earnables in the future. I mean, and some of the color schemes were like pretty fantastic. So those were, say, I would, would say there was the biggest highlights for me is understanding um, like where they are with combat, like at a high level, like talking about like the skills progression and how they're working on that now and just the, the renders themselves. Um, you know, those were the, I would say the major takeaways for me. Uh, I'm going to echo that combat, combat information um, as speculative and yeah. early stage as it, it was or is, was huge. Um, they went into a lot of depth and just the perspectives, like Daedalus said, the fact that they're thinking about these things right now, I think is a necessity but it's awesome just to showcase that they are, that they're having these conversations and these are the different angles that they are considering right now. Like I almost got the vibe that at least one of their prototype builds for Alpha 2 may include a single targeting system and not necessarily be action slash tab target. I know that's something the community, a large part of the community has been very vocal about, uh, especially after Alpha 1. And it would be cool to see their take on that, like actually implemented in game. Obviously, until we get our hands on this, it's going to be hard to do much more than just sit here and speculate and be like, cool, I'm really happy that you guys are talking about all these points. The stature being a huge one. I've brought, but I've been bringing that up since I started following this game because yeah. that, that's, if, if your character stature represents your hitbox and we have projectiles and action combat in the game because it's so pvp oriented most people who are thinking about combat at all out of any form of pvp are probably going to be like well i might not want to pick a dwarf that orc looks really cool but i don't want to just be a giant barn walking through the field to get hit by anything and everything <laughs> so it becomes uh exactly what Stephen was very concerned about and what he wants to avoid is picking a smaller stature stature character because it provides a little bit of an advantage yeah. and if you don't take it you are now at a disadvantage to everyone that has taken it when it comes down to that pvp yeah um and pve obviously is it's not going to matter nearly as much a boss is going to hit you if they're going to hit you they're not if they're not if ai decides that you wipe this time guess what your time um, yep you're done that's it pack up your things you're gone um Absolutely. but but that that was a big aspect uh, of that to me i i'm really curious to see where they go with the projectiles things as well are we gonna have ballistics or hit scan and it sounded like you know the fact that they're considering the the need to lead your target that's a ballistics mechanic um versus yeah. hit scan which is just point and click on yeah. top of them and there it is yeah so i'm i would I'd love to see that ballistics thing in there now you have to because that having the ballistics now introduces skill shot like from player ability mm -hmm. to be able to execute those is that going to happen on spells as well or is this just going to be projectiles like arrows it's different spells going to have different travel times probably not quite as fast as an arrow if they're unless they're an instant mm -hmm. and then you also 
have the ability to dodge that. Now, where's your crit chance lie into this? Where does your accuracy lie into this? Do these stats no longer matter on your gear if this is where you've primarily focused your skill points into these action abilities? So the, the conversations and the, the iterations that they are going to have to go through to really iron this out and flesh it out to be what feels like a wholesome system, especially if they're going to be looking at a more singular sized hitbox, I'm really leaning like that to me really leans towards more of a tab targeted oriented combat. And, and just, just for the simple fact like to factor in the rest of that, you, I don't know how you can avoid having different size hitboxes. If you have a skill shot and you're trying to shoot a gnome in the head, but their hitbox is actually, you know, two thirds larger than their size. And you get a bonus crit chance by hitting them in the head, because again, it's a skill shot. Now you're aiming at what, like a foot above their head to get that hit, that headshot. That's so, that feels so dirty as a player to, to mm -hmm. that, that, that is how you have to play. And I, I'm not, not keen on seeing that in the game at all. So I would be personally okay if they go with the tab target route uh, more exclusively, mm -hmm. or if they find a way to really just mesh out the skill shots. That might be a little bit harder to uh, implement with spellcasters. Melee's melee. They're, they're going to be up in your face, smashing you with things anyway. So it, they'll do what they do. But um, the, the action combat for me has always been a ranged um, beast when it comes to figuring mm -hmm. out how you want to incorporate this. So yeah. I'm really curious to see how they do that. I love that they were talking about the camera as well. The shift of your focal point being around your character to the focal point being around your your cursor mm -hmm. when you when you switch between modes just it, it feels weird. It's something you would get used to in time. I think though, like a lot of changes people might be opposed to at first, but if if that's the way they decide to go, understand you will get used to it over time, and it will just eventually become the norm. Just like your current uh, comfort zone has become your norm now. So it, it'll just take a bit of retraining. It might be hard to switch from one game to another, but hey, then don't switch games. Just play Ashes, right? <laughs> also, uh, live right now, you know, we've kind of switched from looking at some of the creatures that Steven was running around on to looking at some of the assets. Um, so some of the different, you know, that they have just been, I remember when I was watching this, like perfect example on screen right now, there's like a compass and, hourglass and like you know uh, just a scope and lenses and all these things it's just their assets that they're creating to place in the world we talked about it last time they're just look so good right the creatures right they're showing off yet another handful of creatures created by Jinsi again and again the creatures just phenomenal you look at things like the knife the bread that's been sitting there cut right artichoke like the meat, the the picture, like all these assets that you're going to see placed in homes. I mean, I initially wasn't really too sure if they were going to look just really. I don't know, you know what I mean? Like detailed enough, you know, there's always that level of detail around these, you know, props and assets that are placed in the, the world or the environment. And I wasn't really too sure. But now I look at a lot of these things and I see what's going to be coming to housing down the road. And just I compare it to like a game like the Elder Scrolls Online, for example, the detail of those items that go into homes is very, very high. This, I think, is definitely going to rival. I think it's going to rival it um, when when the game launches. I really do. So, again, they're just really knocking it out the park. I know that it had only been two to three weeks since the last 
developer live stream because this one's being done early because of the holidays coming up here in the US for Thanksgiving and everything. But man, I'm like looking at all these assets and props and man, it just looks so good. Like I see the candles and I want to see them lit and I want to see the, you know, they see the brazier for the Kalar there with the wood just sitting on the top. And I'm like, it just looks like fresh cut chunks of wood thrown in there. And I can't help but think to myself, when you go up, are we going to be able to interact and light that to turn a light on? And what's that going to look like? It just looks so good. <laughs> you think I want, I want like the majority of this stuff <laughs> yeah. in my house. Yeah. I need to be mm. super rich so that I can get a house big yeah. enough to put all to recreate these assets and put them in my home. Because yeah, like, <laughs> there's so many of them are just gorgeous. Just like look at this hutch. Yeah, just a beautiful, beautiful yeah. piece of wood there you know like yeah that's a master carpenter yeah right there that produced that right and, and, and any clothes stored in there get a plus five to no moths coming in to no moths <laughs> <laughs> they just are off the chain off the chain with the with these assets man it just they blow me away you know you look at the texture of the wood planks in the top of that chest and it just looks so good man it really really does like i'm not trying to over excite or hype people but I see this and I'm going, man, that is extremely detailed. And I know when we jump in the testing environments already, we don't get to see it at that detail yet. Because when you're in a testing environment, like I said, you don't get to see the quality of textures and, and things like that in the game until the game's really ready to launch most of the time. You don't they don't flip that switch until usually right around launch time so seeing the detail here that i know we don't get to see in game yet is very encouraging it's extremely encouraging um but i agree with you all you what you both are resonating uh you're resonating on some of the things i talked about when when they talked about design and they talked about some of the camera perspective changes that they've been looking at for like the tab versus action combat orientation when they talked about trying to unify and merging of modes for perspective, you know, depending on those two things, when they talked about they were prototyping point allocation for both skills, uh, you know, for both like the skills for like the NPCs and, and like their combat uh, dynamics and what those are going to look like having a dual um, sort of like purpose for skills um, specifically when we're thinking about, you know, the, the action combat skills, the tab target skills and like how they're choosing to really look at how that's going to be designed and how your point allocation is actually going to make a difference on if a skill is, you know, uh, sort of like uh, pushed over to one side of being more action versus more tab. That's, that's very, very good to hear them talking about now. And even talking about the, the projectiles for like the different, we we've had conversations around, well, if it's like a dwarf versus like an elf, one's a much taller, or a Renkai, or a Renkai orc, much taller versus a shorter uh, character. Like, what's the what are the hitboxes going to look like? How are you going to manage that? So, hearing them like addressing, like, yes, this is something we're looking at. Yes, we want to make sure that it's manageable. So, you're not talking about it going, well, everyone's going dwarf because it's going to be harder to hit them. You know, for combat, for PvP, we don't, you know, want that to be the reason you specifically choose a character, or, you know, a playable race uh, that you choose for the game or whatever. Um, they even he even noted like something specific, which I thought was important because we we saw how this was an issue in 
the alpha already, which is traversal method. So when you think about blinking or charging with a weapon or or whatever, right? We saw in alpha how like, you know, you charge with like the tank and you sometimes get stuck because there'd be like something in the way, like a fence or a boulder or whatever. And you sort of get stuck in the middle of your charge. You'd be, be sitting there in this like animation for like a good second before you could sort of, you know, get out of that locked animation that you were in and or animated pose you were in. But he talked about, um, you know, looking at the traversal method and really ensuring that like, you know, the traversal methods and locomotion for characters on different terrain was something that they were really addressing. He specifically mentioned like boulders. Like, what if I'm like, you know, charging this person and then like there's a boulder sort of there, like how do I go over that, you know? or around that like what does that look like does it look fluid um so talking about those things is a very important aspect as well um you also talked about a universal skills progression that might have alignment with your passive tree and unlock features for those universal abilities so he was talking about these class and sort of like these sort of like universal abilities you would have as like a class or maybe even something tying into races these like fundamental skills that you have and how that sort of interacts with the greater, the greater world of Vera as you're playing as a player in the game. Um, There's a lot of things that were noted, but you know, probably my favorite out of all the renders like this one right here with that awesome armor. I mean the detail on the armor. There were some concerns of a lot of people going, are we going to have anything that really shows at least some skin? You know, we're not talking running around in bikinis and a thong, but is there going to be like a middle ground? And we're seeing that in this particular render here with the midriff and like, you know, a lot of the legs showing. So clearly there's going to be a, a balance between like more armored realism, less armored. They're really looking at the full spectrum of t- armor types. And, um, you know, I think they've been really good about if the player really kind of wants it. And it's something that's resonating within the community that they sort of listen within reason, if not, you know, deterring themselves from the vision too much. But, you know, I can't wait to see that armor set with my big hairy dwarf belly hanging out of it. Yeah, I I heard that. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that, too. This mount, man. I love this mount. Details, dude. Jinsey right there. Yeah. Look at it. Just look at it. That's definitely like you imagine riding down that in that armor with your big hairy dwarf belly hanging out, just <laughs> jiggling everywhere, and the fin and waving, and the little emoji faces bouncing on your saddle. Like that'd be so badass, man. Nobody's gonna mess with you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't. Man. I don't know if I would pee myself laughing or uh, uh, pee <laughs> myself because that mount's coming at me. You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh. My favorite one's coming up. I'm not going to say anything about it, but the detail on that mount is just, wow, man. Yeah, yeah, they do a great job. I mean, one of the things that I just keep seeing every time we see any assets that they're um, coming up with, you know, on the live streams, is they're just continuing the word uh, world build. And, And that's, I think, the thing that keeps my passion alive, like along with, you know, many other aspects of what the vision is, but just the fact that they're just taking so much time mm-hmm. world building. Um, it just, it just makes me, you know, excited to discover what, you know, what will lie ahead um, as 
I, you know, play an MMO. And that's one of the things I think we all mm -hmm. uh, tend to really look for in an MMO is, you know, there comes a point in any game, right, that's like game as a service, right, is that you're going to get, like, you're going to kind of, in a sense, do it all, right? And there isn't very much left in terms of surprises. I really hope with this, like, the amount of detail and everything that's going into what all they're doing in terms of world building, that that is something that's like always going to be a constant um, because of the fact that, you know, they just really double down on everything. I mean, I know some more mature MMOs have done that. They've really kind of pushed the envelope, but it's just taken so much time. I just feel like we've already gotten there in some level seeing all the different things that they're doing, right? Even if it's not something, you know, you're not going in and buying those paid cosmetics, yeah. just knowing that they're out there and that these are just baseline or at least variations on a baseline, just to see the level of variety and the fact that the team is committed to putting that level of variety in in-game earnables. I mean, you know, that's just, again, right? Another reason why there's a lot of passion for me behind this is just a level of, like differentiation uniqueness that they have like even like the purgle um that's on right. the screen here i mean my just buddy right the, there stole the show yeah Look the animations the, like the level of detail it's like i just can't even imagine like what other colors will there be right and how will they differentiate like you know in terms of like something you can get in game or not it's yeah it's awesome stuff. absolutely and all i gotta say about that little dude Fucking love this little guy, man. I love this little dude. I love this little dude so much. I'm so excited about this little guy or gal. Look at him. Look at that thing. You can't hear it if you're watching this, but you got to go back and watch this highlight they threw on YouTube of the live stream. Go take yourself right on over. Listen to this little dude or dudette walk around. Listen to it. it. It's the cutest thing ever. I, and I want, I was sitting here talking about how, oh, I want so badly to just have this little homie running around with me, literally on my shoulder, man. And I created this whole fun story for how this little, little creature, you know, if you, if you go and you like hear what, what they talked about, right? This little homie is sort of like an entertainer by nature that the people use because like they kind of like were like, hey, this will sort of help us to like deal with our boredom as guards. Let's get at this little buddy. He'll help keep us like entertained and fun to interact with. You imagine this little thing. I could imagine this little thing is mischievous, right? Goes around, steals something from somebody, yoinks their coin purse in its mouth, walks off with it. You know what I mean? You catch him, you're like, little buddy, what are you doing? He's like, Row! you know what I mean? Making all these little noises. That's exactly what it sounds like. Little buddy's like, Row! you know, like, what are you doing? Row! Row! You know, you're talking to him and he's all like, I don't know. And you're like, well, but you know, don't do that. But also freaking love you get on my shoulder. Let's watch some entertainment together, watch a play or whatever. He's uh, hanging out. You're running around the world with your little buddy on your shoulder. He's like, Row! you know, you charging into action. Like, you know, dude, I know I'm nerding out a little bit, but this little thing, that's my homie right there. 
I can see this little thing causing problems, but you love it so much you just can't ever be mad at it. You just tell it to get its ass up on your shoulder and you go hang out and run around the world. Anybody else? This thing is cute. What about the, what are you talking about? Don't train it to loot things. I didn't say I'd do that. I said it'd be in its nature to be mischievous. That has nothing to do with me. That's neutral of me. Nature. He just uh, causes a distraction and reaps the rewards. That's not ninja uh, looter. That's just this, distraction. He's, he's an accomplice. It's a good tactic. If, <laughs> if one were to employ it purposefully for their own benefit, which I'm not saying I would. Not saying you wouldn't either. What? I don't know what that means. Hold on. Anyway, let's talk about um what what else can we talk about real quick so we can move on? <laughs> okay. Look, this little buddy right here, I genuinely think this is one of the just it's such a unique, cute, adorable little creature. And the more and more, even like the last mount we looked at, the the further we get into development, the more unique the creatures become. I mean, it's nothing I've seen anywhere before, and I love it. This is the kind of innovation I love seeing from Intrepid Studios. It's not just in the game and the systems. It's in the small details of the world, the little creatures that are running around, right? The pets you can have, the mounts you can get. I mean, we look at animal husbandry and we look at things like these little pets in the world, these little critters that are going to be in the world, and it's going to be its own fantasy world. It's not going to completely reflect all the other high fantasy games or stories we've seen and that's awesome it's unique it's innovative not only from the story and the world immersion but also like the game and systems and when we talk about being patient it to me i'm going this is worth the patience in my opinion I happily will wait on a game that delivers on something unique promising and just fun a reason to play the game because I want to be in the world because it's fun. It's beautiful. It's a good time. And there's stuff to do that makes sense. And it's not just about the login reward. It's not about, you know what I mean? It's not about just the seasonal thing. It's not about, you know, these other reasons to join in for the week or for the day to play the game. It's the little subtle details of the creatures, the world, you know, in the community. And that's, that's, we're getting back down to the, the real reasons I think to be doing this in the first place. So, all right, we got a little bit of time left gentlemen, right? We got to be mindful, but let's hit this lore discussion. Can we hit it? Can we hit this one from last week real quick? Sure. Okay. Hey, let me, we, we, we led with a teaser topic on this, the Boda Bodaga. Boda Badaga. Okay, there you go. Boda Badaga. That's what we're calling here, right? This was great because we talked about the Crystal Forest, the Crystal Bow Forest. And, and I'm just going to read this excerpt right here we talked about, right? When the sun sets behind the canopy of the Crystal Bow Forest, it becomes difficult to tell where the sky ends and the tree lines begin. Under the branches, rustling the leaves of orange and yellow, despite the seasons, motes of essence charge pollen, flutter through the air like fairies, flickering white. For three days I rode the path that wove through diamond-white trees between Oleander Reach and Merriam amongst these woods and found myself captivated time and time again. The leading sentiment and statement from Kyrie once again, 
who had written three excerpts that we got from the D&D campaign. This was our third lore story, right? Now, without jumping into too many parts or just reading the whole thing to you, we got a bit of a snapshot here, a, a little bit more to think about. Now, I think, Daedalus, you actually had a specific point on this one, didn't you? Uh, about the... Yeah. Yeah. You want to kind of share yeah. your thoughts on this one? And I'm going to share the link here in stream for everybody again. Sure, sure. I mean, I think this was like, you know, a really, you know, fascinating like article in the sense of like of lore in yeah. the sense that you got to see like some of the mythos behind some of the creatures in the world. And I like that a lot. But you also got like something that was just not all the way like explained and and I was just really wondering what exactly this sneaky little dwarf was doing. He, you know, had this device, right, that was very protective of. Mm -hmm. And then the end, all he all uh all the dwarf did was just go back into the shadows. And that level of mystery, like I'm now I'm I'm you know definitely chomping at the bit to know what happens next in terms of the lore progression. Does it like shift to something else? Do the, do we hear a little bit more about what this device is and why you know the dwarf was following this magical creature and just the like the level of like detail like in the description itself like of what this creature is. Yeah, I kind of just I felt like I could see it. Right. And we have seen, I think, half tilt you have um linked something here that showed the Karen before. So if those of you not familiar on the Ashes of Creation mm -hmm. wiki, there's kind of a you know, there is like a baseline animation of it, but this feels like it's next level. It actually reminded me quite a bit of very early on they did a few videos, like cinematic type videos of the world. And I remember specifically at least a creature that was similarly described here. So like to me, the like the biggest thing was just the, the interaction was really cool. But at the end, it's like, I feel like you're on a cliffhanger. Like, wait a minute, you've got right. this device. You don't want somebody to touch it. What does that device do? I want to know. Yeah. So that was kind of my, my big thing from here is this. And then like, again, just the personality that you're able to see um, between like the, the two races, like, you know, obviously, um, Kyrie that we've gotten familiar with over these lore um, excerpts and then this dwarf. Um, and I, 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 yeah, it was a really cool thing. And, um, and I'm definitely uh, looking forward to what happens next. Cause it, it was a cliffhanger for me. Right. I mean, talking about the cure too, that was the point I posted it in chat, right? This poor this point is talking about the device too. Now I encourage people to go and read up on this. It's on the Ashes of Creation wiki, um, but this was really interesting, right? Talking about how she pulled back, sorry, pulled the device back out of her pouch, held it aloft in nearby pockets of air, seemingly at random, not just a Kirin Hedgy, but the Kirin, one of the first ones, older than the apocalypse, about a Bodoga most powerful beings in these woods it's true though you wouldn't know from how slightly flighty he is right then you got another one here the thing is you can't just haunt a bit of a go lava <laughs> there it is a bit of a dogoba a bit of a dogoga but do there it is yet again 
anyway, the survive become its essence itself. They break apart. You saw it. You see this? Bringing them back from that requires precise ritual. And I'll be honest, I tried a whole lot of things to make it happen before. It didn't take the best notes. So I have no idea how to recreate that. Then you go, I mean, you go on down, right? Uh, just ending in bewilderment, I lowered my book as the dwarf picked her way back into the woods without taking her eye off me. I returned to my perch beside the stream to record the events of the evening before night had fallen entirely. It's crazy, man. It, how protective this dwarf is of this, this, this item, right? It's just, you can't help but wonder what, what was it that this dwarf had? What was it that they had? Like in, in talking about like tracking and talking about the rituals and you just, you wonder about so many of the layers that we're talking about here. I mean, I hear ritual and my, my mind immediately goes back to King a tracks, right? Like what kind of rituals are we talking about in the world? Like what are all the rituals? What does it even mean to describe a ritual in the universe of this, of ashes of creation? This seems like going, you know, like digging into it too much, but really when you think about rituals, the only ritual we've really got a, a really firm um, outline of is really, and by firm, I use that word loosely because really the the outline of what King Atrax did that led to becoming a lich and all of that, it's still pretty vague, but it gives you enough detail to understand what the ritual kind of was composed of generally. So what are some of the rituals in the game? Like, what is it, what kind of um, investment is it going to require of the player? And you can go down and break that down and do a lot of things, right? When it talks about religion, if you're talking about a relic or device, if you're talking about attunement between these planes that exist, the void, the the material plane, the plane where the, the gods, and I say quote unquote gods exist, or even something as simple as like class identity. You know, a summoner, for example, is it going to be a, a, you know, is what kind of depth are they going to really um, create for us in that class developed archetype where a summoner has meaning or a bard playing has meaning. So the layers of meaningfulness to the world in which we're going to be playing in, oftentimes I think we overlook a lot of details in games. And so many of us that really care about lore and discovery and, and things of that nature in an MMORPG, I think a lot of times um, generally speaking, a lot of us as players will overlook things. Even I, as somebody who's played a game over, over and over, over again, like the Elder Scrolls or World of Warcraft, there's a lot of things as a new player who, when I care about lore and the immersion elements, when I'm running around the world that I pay a lot of attention to. Um, and I think specifically about, you know, like a game like World of Warcraft, the details in the environment, the quest dialogue, um, you know, the meaningfulness to getting your first, mount i think we talked about that last time actually didn't we talk about obtaining a mount for the first time but something like a ritual um in this game and i do wonder when we think about classes or devices that we're going to interact with in the world what kind of uh what kind of a narrative have are they going to be building up for us because i think I think that this is one of the areas of the game we talk about, uh, one of the pillars, if you will, the, the narrative, overall narrative. Here we get to see three excerpts from the D&D. &D. Well, I'm not going to say D&D &D as much as just 
it was unlocked during their D&D campaign. We get to see these excerpts once again of story. And we see how rich the dialogue or the framework is for that. And, you know, I can't help but wonder when we talk about that game pillar, the overall narrative, the ones that individually as players that we go on based on our classes or our race or whatever, I can't help but wonder like what they've got planned for us. Um, and there's a couple pieces to reinforce upon that. They just got a really great narrative designer from the Elder Scrolls Online. And they've got this whole story already written for the most part, like the story of Vera and the world of Ashes of Creation and, and everything. But when you when we kind of reflect on this story as well as the other two, you know, sort of in closing on on talking about these three things, what do you feel like the biggest takeaway is about the narrative so far for you guys? Phil, go ahead. Um, I love the storytelling. I love the image. Like something that we've talked about as being a bit of a concern with lack of voice acting in the game is really that the immersion that the words and the text creates for you to put be able to just kind of not even close your eyes because you're reading so that would make life hard but to just visualize yourself in that world and what's going on and in each of these three excerpts i can very vividly picture the environment that is being described because it is described in such detail and i think if if that lore telling if that storytelling portray it continues through the world when we're actually in the world it will help to really convey that emotion too like you got a bit of an emotional hook on this third piece here um and, and really on the second one with, with the Tolner uh as well but you really got that sense of the feeling of the two characters and, and kind of that emotion and investment that went into the ritual of summoning this creature and, and you know uh, i'll i'll tangent for a second into the third one specifically here i i think that device is a is a relic one of the ancient relics mm -hmm. the way it hummed as that creature took off in the in the mist of essence and it, when it got further away then it calmed down and became dormant again it very much seems like a relic that senses concentrated essence the, the this boda boda <laughs> Why are words so fucking hard for Bodaga Badoga? Boda Badoga um being like the Kirin, right? The, yeah. the the one that predates all of them. It predates the apocalypse. Yep. Like this thing is is over 4000 years old. Ancient. It but it became this because it found a way to become one with the essence. So it is in itself concentrated essence. So I think this uh, artifact yeah. uh, or is actually one of the ancient relics that the that the dwarf had, a mm -hmm. and she I guess had to perform a ritual perhaps to get this thing to become uh, onto the physical plane, become a physical entity. I'm really curious why she was hunting it. What was what was her purpose with hunting this? It, it, I don't think it was simply uh, a matter of no just a trophy hunt no nope. right like it seemed and this is tying that emotional aspect into the way the story is written 
it seemed like so much more than that. There was an, uh, a little bit more of a need for it, but not dire consequences because it wasn't like, oh my God, you ruined my chance. I'm going to kill you. It's like, okay, I'll let it go. You didn't know. I'll move on and I'll just have to figure out how to get it back again because my stubby little door fingers can't write notes. And <laughs> fair enough. You know, like bringing that character into the race, I thought was really cool too. So if the rest of the story kind of takes that through and we now know from this last live stream that these were these three lore excerpts weren't the only ones they had prepared but the other ones are going back to the drawing table to kind of get redone repolished in a deliverable stance so because they weren't happy with them and like just the the time and effort and the the bar that they have set for themselves of excellence to distribute this just for lore it is really really cool so i'm excited to see this level per being brought into the, the rest of at least the main storylines the main quest lines and that sort of stuff in the game obviously little side quests and things like that maybe you don't expect that amount of effort and detail to go into um, from a time stance but it would still be really cool yeah, I mean, agree with everything you said. I think the richness of even these lore excerpts, right? Keep in mind, they are just excerpts. It just, it feels like they're just snippets of a full story that's already fleshed out. The level of detail, the level level of character that you get just even in these, like, you know, essentially blurbs, right? And the fact that we know that this was done by some recent hires as well and it's something they did kind of quick and dirty and it's going to ultimately be hey all these books with all this lore is going to be there right when you get out the gate i mean i, I think i joked about it when we initially were talking about this that i probably won't be leveling for a while because i'm going to be reading a bunch of books at the gate um because to read all this because it's yeah. it's just so rich and so engaging right i think the the VO was great. I know, you know, Maggie wasn't happy with it. She wants to go, this is only one take. I want to do it better. And the fact that they're already like, you know, again, really wanting to refine and put a lot of investment into the lore, just as a player makes me feel, you know, you know, pretty fantastic about the future of how lore will play a part in this. Obviously, it's one of the pillars, but the fact that they're really as opposed to just saying the words and saying, oh yeah, this is one of our pillars, to actually backing it up with action, which is good. And then one thing you said, Sim, I wanted to touch on too with regards to ritual. I mean, we were already seeing at least the starting point of that in some of the quests that were in Alpha 1, where you had to you know, perform yeah. certain activities in a certain part of the world in kind of a certain order with yeah. certain materials, right? Granted, it was all you know very rudimentary, but the fact that they're already trying to test out that level of complexity in quests, you know, makes me feel really good about those quests that aren't necessarily going to be things that you're going to use your fist for or your sword or what have you, right? It's going to be things that you're going to need to use your brain for to be able to think it through and be able to know what those outcomes will be and, and you know, do the proper steps. So, like, having, like, puzzle-solving type quests, I mm -hmm. think, are going to be really a great addition if that's kind of their intent right um and being able to like we talked about before using your class abilities to maybe go a slightly different path to reach the same end goal i think would be again one way we can keep the world fresh and new and so on so 
I would say like in general, I mean, I'm just, again, what pretty thrilled with what they put out in terms of content. I'm really excited to see, you know, their remaster of what they've done, but also the new stuff as well, because if it's again, this same level of quality and they feel like, mm, yeah, well, this was still something we need to raise the bar on, then yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty darn exciting. You know, I, I read the, the, the ending excerpt to that, but it's just like, you know how how she's talking about i'm not a scientist or mage that's the business of your kind right and then talking about how well she she asked then asked this dwarf like and the device you use and then it's like oh backing up and we're out nope and i i agree with i agree with half till i i feel pretty strong that this is likely a relic right similar to something that maybe King Atrax had housed in his vault, something like that, right? Something in tune with uh, the magical world of era that helps to, you know, you can utilize it for some end. And I, and I do believe like we look at King Atrax, we know things about King Atrax. We, we get the snapshot of Kyrie, who is uh, an elf, who's probably what a third of the way through her life at around 800 years old, if I'm not mistaken, some, or maybe ha almost halfway 800. We're we kind of like guesstimated 2000 years old, maybe. So you're a little over mm -hmm. almost halfway to your, your lifespan or whatever, a third of the way there. And you look at these things and the, the detail, I agree with half tilt also on this and the day less on this, the it's important if you're not going to have voice acting and you're not going to have, um, you know, sort of like animated characters talking, going back and forth with options. It's important that the dialogue is able to paint the picture and give you a sense of their emotions, their personalities, um, sort of like the underlying narrative and be able to envision what picture they're sort of trying to paint for you in their storytelling. That's important because if you can get that from the stories as they're outlined, then the written form of quests and that being the primary narrative at launch, it can work. And more importantly, they've been able to deliver on this in the story blurbs they've given us so far. And this is a great example of that to start off with where I talked about the crystal bow forest, talking about the branches, talking about the diamond white trees, talking about fairies flickering, the essence charged pollen. I mean, I'm sitting here imagining this stuff already. And getting a, an idea in my mind visually of what this would look like, they're delivering. That's that's what you need to be able to do for me for to have an, a, a visualization of a historical moment in time without you voicing it all out. So, I, I do think that we're also getting a lot of snapshots. Even going back be it back to King Atrax, we know that the antagonist, the primary antagonist in this game, they're there. They're housing probably the castles when we get there, right? These old fortresses, these old domains or corrupted lands, they're there. And I think we're getting snapshots of characters, story arcs, and things of that nature and antagonists that are going to exist. I think King Atrax is very likely there. I think King Atrax is very likely one of the primary antagonists that we're going to have when we get there. I think Kyrie is probably one of the primary characters who's going to help guide us on the adventures, right? I think that we're going to, I think that it's very likely that what we're experiencing right now are very small little tastes or snapshots of what's to come. And it's pretty exciting because I'm, I'm already seeing a picture come to get together 
of what what's there for us when we get there of like what we might have to overcome the kinds of like obstacles that might lie in our way the kinds of mysteries that might be there to unfold and i think this was a great snapshot of a mystery and a relic and what's that mean what's that for and and i can see Kyrie being that you know character that's like let's figure this out friends let's go figure this problem out let's solve this issue um so it's very encouraging as we're going into the end of the year now we have yet another really great set of stories to add to our compendium to break to pieces to talk about to put together and friends i challenge you all because i think we're seeing a a, a really good framework of what's to come so i wonder who out there this is my challenge to you all in the coming month or so as we're going through the rest of the year as things are a little quieter right because the holidays are here um and and maybe it's not gonna be as active you know and the live streams are gonna be a little uh a little spaced out differently now i i challenge you all what's some of your best theory on how these stories as well as the old ones might tie in together is there a narrative already there that we might be able to deduce based on what's been shared so far over the past several years my challenge to you all see what you can come up with i'll be doing the same We'll be talking about it again soon. But gentlemen, a great story. And I think half tilt, yeah, going back and looking at the Kirin, like there's not a lot on that creature on the wiki. Which is, uh, you know, kind of makes you wonder. I kind of feel like maybe we got a little bit more to work with here. Theories, anyone? Theory crafters out there, right? Calling out to y'all. It's not the only one. It might be like the baseline of the Kirin family. Yeah, there's a lot of other species in Vera that are native to Vera, not introduced via animal husbandry. Yep, that Purple. may or may not also have their own Bodabodogus. Yeah. So it'll Great. be interesting to see. Now, are we going to get to a point where there's more op- opposing type characters or beings? Yep, that have that status of Boda Badoga or or the way of just being with the essence yes. that you are going to record like this could be a world boss thing or a dungeon thing where yep. you have to acquire these artifacts you know this the artifact that the dwarf has can sense when that essence is near but maybe there's other artifacts that give it physical form that you will need these in different stages of the fight or just to simply spawn or find the creature in order to fight it so having these layers in there makes for a lot of intrigue at this stage a lot of speculation and don't want to get my hopes up too high because i could be completely off on that uh on that analysis but i really suspect that that is where ultimately we're going to see some things happening maybe even king ajax will be one that we have to get certain relics in order just to see him first before we can fight him i firmly believe I agree with you 100%. I think he's sitting down there in Fallow's Hole protecting do. his treasure to this day. Yep. And, you know, yep. because it's an MMO, he always will be down there. But he's down there protecting his treasure. He's an undead. There's no reason for him to have died yep. that we know of from a lore perspective yet. No. So. He sought immortality yeah, and he got it. He got his version of it that the ancients deemed him worthy of or deemed he'd learn how to do. But I'm telling you, man, I... I think that this creature is one of many of these potentially they're like world bosses, gargantuan beasts, 
hell that maybe he's the, he's one of the beasts or it's one of the beasts that gets summoned for sieging from summoners who knows there's no telling but i yeah i i think that it's an epic opportunity to play on these almost like divine creatures or something that are in tune with like at the essence that have been there for thousands of years that are almost like the earliest of their kind. Oh man. It's just the, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. Anyway, I'm nerdy. I'm nerding out. I could nerd about this for freaking ages. Now I'm sitting here, got my wheels turning like I did the other night, which <laughs> y'all were here the other night on Friday when that happened a different game, but I got all <gasps> ideas sort of thing. And so this is, this is a great opportunity. Let's just challenge each other put the pieces together see what we come up with because i think there are some tethers that exist that no one's really talking about yet i've seen a couple i feel like are there but i'm not going to note them yet i want to see what other people come up with i will talk about them though but gentlemen that's basically our show for today pretty exciting times pretty damn good live stream it's going to be a, a longer period of time until the next one though we have until what's likely going to be i would say probably like what the 20 i mean man the 20 christmas eve is the next it's either christmas eve or 31st new year's eve or both of the next fridays at the end of the month for december so i don't know when I we're gonna get maybe it, said it'll be early again I feel like it would need to be it has to be before the holidays like 17th yeah. maybe that would be middle of december which makes is still sense. a month from the current one which exactly. is the normal timeline so mm -hmm. yeah for sure exactly any final thoughts from you gentlemen on, on any of our discussion points today before we wind this down? Nah, not for me. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Good. What about you, yeah. Aptil? Same. I'm, I'm content. I'm happy. Right. So, everybody, it's been a great show as always. Really appreciate everybody being here. Uh, before we kind of like wind this down, gentlemen, I'm going to let you go on ahead and good day to list Aptil. Shout out your domains where people can find you when you're not on this podcast. All right, you can find me on Twitter uh, at the Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash the Ashen Herald. And have tilt. I am on Twitter at half underscore tilt, on Discord, half tilt gamer, and hiding all my loot safely in my house. I can't help but feel like that was a little bit of a personal. Um, that's fine. That's fine. We'll, we'll totally talk about my two year old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody here believes that, sir. <laughs> I certainly don't. Anyway, hey, it's been a great time, guys. I always really do enjoy our conversations at Theory Crafting. Like, really, I feel like we have some just really fun discussions. And, and really, that's probably my favorite part of this show, man, is getting together with the Ashes fam, sitting around, hanging out, chatting Ashes of Creation, Theory Crafting, Talking about all the good, the bad, and the ugly, and and sometimes the badabada the sorry, you know what I'm talking about that badaga badoga or whatever. We'll just call it badabada for now, for short. I think we can do that, friends. Always a pleasure, and it might be the end of today's show. You can catch us here 5 p.m. CD, sorry, CST, CDT, depending on the time, Central here in the U.S. every Sunday, like clockwork, um, and. Uh, Really want to say that, you know, you don't just have to be on the podcast to be an Ashes Pathfinder. It's literally all of you who join us live, listen to it, drop comments on the YouTube videos, listen to it in podcast places, driving to work. You know, if you listen, you're in on the journey with us. We really appreciate you spending your time invested in the show, the community around the show. And, um, you know, 
much love to all of you and much love to Intrepid Studios, gentlemen. Until next week, you all live your best lives. Walk in the light. Have a great night. And we'll see you real soon, friends. Night, everybody. Take care, Take care everyone. everyone.